Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Happy spring bank holiday, everybody, and welcome along to the Full Throttle Bike Racing Podcast from Eurosport. This is Monday, the 31st of May, 2021. Greg Haynes with you, and I've literally just come off air with co-commentator James Whittam. Hello, James. Hi, Greg. And that was our commentary for the weekend on Estoril World Superbikes, and not quite what I expected, I have to say. What about you? Uh, no, definitely not. Going into this meeting, we expected Jonathan Ray and the KRT team to struggle. We expected Scott Redding to be quick. We expected Chaz Davis to be quick. Some of that happened and some didn't. The main thing was the Kawasaki uh, and Jonathan Ray definitely found something. Whether it's a new bike, the new aerodynamic element to the, the new uh, ZXN Kawasaki or whether it's setup changes or just uh, really good management like it always is with the Kawasaki racing team, they made uh, definitely steps forward and uh, looked pretty competitive from the word go and it's been a good meeting for them uh, when they didn't really expect it I think yeah Estoril 2020 of course ended the season back in October yeah. it also must be added that Jonathan Ray had the championship on his mind at that point that was the target from that weekend wasn't yeah, but it they struggled for time all weekend they did and Jonathan made an uncharacteristic error in that last race didn't he last year when he hit top rack at uh, turn four or turn three rather but then this year they've gone to Estoril and look what happens I mean we I was expecting at least two wins from Toprak Razgatioglu, if not a treble. And Yamaha have come out of there with no win. I'm surprised. I have to say I'm surprised. Yeah, I don't think that was any uh, reflection on the competitiveness of the Yamaha or the competitiveness of their number one rider, Toprak Razgatioglu. I think I think they, they both, the Yamaha and Toprak, had the pace and the wherewithal to win races this weekend or at least go with Jonathan Ray. Uh, but actually, bad luck. I mean, they just it just didn't work out for them. A little bit uh, unlucky through uh, qualifying and really, really unlucky uh, to have jumped the start. I mean, it it was it was all Toprak's work. You can't really blame anybody else when you jump the start. Uh, but it's easy done these days. It's not a case of somebody standing looking at each row with a flag like it used to be in the old days. This is electronic equipment. If you move before the lights change you will be penalised. What I will say is he did a damn good job of doing the two-lap, uh, long-lap penalty, uh, the twi- the two-lap, long-lap penalty. Um, only dropped, what, about four and a half or five seconds in the whole two. Yeah. Like, it's just incredible. And it's dusty out there and he could have easily slid off. Or yeah, I mean, it's the first time you try it, really. 
Um, and he did a good job of it, I think. We Damage said, limitation was brilliant. Damage limitation, absolutely. The phrase we said how dusty it was off the line and even on the line on Friday morning practice yeah. on our coverage, didn't we? And then again, we saw this afternoon as we record this in the last hour or so, Scott Redding, how dusty it was offline when he was attacking Jonathan Ray and down she went. Yeah, he was offline to the inside, which generally means it isn't as dusty as offline outside because all the dust that gets on the track gets thrown out wide. It gets it goes on the outside of the, the corners because of the bikes going round. Uh, but yeah, he definitely got off the racing line. He was tight on the inside, lost the front end, desperately unlucky for Scott. He did have a goat save and it went and then he picked it up and then it went again. So really, really unlucky. He hasn't had a bad meeting, but when... Jonathan Ray, his main title rival, has the, the meeting that he's had. Uh, it, it seems like a bad meeting, but, you know, he's won a race, which would be good, but he's dropped points and dropped a position in the championship. So he's, um, yeah, bad weekend for, for the factory Ducati team, actually. The more times I see it, the more times I'm convinced of it. We're just watching our screens here in our commentary box. We can see the world feed from Dorna. We can see the Eurosport output, which is Matt and Shaky and James Hayden in the studio and now they're doing the post-race show as we record this podcast Redding moved on the grid he moved because Toprak moved didn't he which yeah. resulted in a wonderful start for Scott Redding because he went on time absolutely you couldn't you couldn't have got a better start because actually he went not on the lights he went because Toprak went he saw Toprak move he released the clutch off he went didn't look back Toprak actually went stopped and then went so ironically Toprak made a really bad start but yet got a jump start penalty it was uh, which was fair enough. So, uh, yeah, Scott kind of benefited from Top Rack having a little bit of a jump start. Back to uh, Estoril today. Yeah. yeah, missed opportunity, I think, for pretty much anybody, Everybody. if your name's not Jonathan Ray. Yeah, typical case of uh, Jonathan Ray and the KRT team and uh, Perry doing exactly the right job, just making all the right decisions, just going efficiently about the business like they do. Generally don't drop the ball and they didn't this weekend and it's, for me, it's up to everybody else to, to raise the game and catch up with Jonathan. He, you know, less pressure on him. They know what they can do. They go out and do the job. If they can't win, they finish second. They don't crash trying to win. And it's, I'm saying that from a nice, comfy, you know, commentary booth. And, it, and it's, it's easy for me to say that. And when you're on the spot, it's really, really difficult. But still, they, they go about their business and, and everybody else has to raise the game. That, that's just how it is. You can't penalise somebody either a team or a rider, for being good. We'll hear from Jonathan Ray a little bit later in the podcast. But first of all, let's listen in to Toprak Rascassioglu with Charlie Hiscott after this afternoon's final race of the weekend. Toprak, a, um, a very busy race for you, but uh, you still managed to get on the podium. That's a positive thing, isn't it? A very strange start, and I'm very surprised because first time I'm feeling this one. And I'm very sorry, uh, my team, because uh, this race maybe I'm possible win, but strange start, two double long lap, and but I'm again podium. I'm happy, but uh, very difficult weekend for me, and we will see next next uh, next race. Yeah. How do you feel about going to Mizano now? I like it Mizano because uh, I go two days test. Also feeling very good, and also lap times very good. Uh, I feeling positive, but we will see in the race. A hey, word well on top rank. Thank you. See. You. Yeah, what can you say? I mean, it was his mistake. He knew he'd get that double long lap penalty. Although he was pushing on at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. He was pushing Scott Redding for the lead at that point. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we knew going into this meeting that Toprak was going to be one of the men to be, or at least one of the men to run right at the front. We know how aggressive he is. We know how much he likes to win. I actually thought that this weekend he's displayed some real kind of maturity and thought for championship, not just thought for race. Yes, I thought. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And you wouldn't have heard Toprak saying that a couple of years ago, but he, he's always talking about points now and yep. the championship. So yep. well done to Toprak, you have to say. It's been a disappointing weekend in a way, uh, but he certainly made a lot of progress with his crew chief, Phil Marin. Uh, now, let's just go back to qualifying. And I think something that did change the weekend for Toprak, and we said it on air as well, is that he exceeded track limits for the second time in a week in a Super Bowl session. That was coming out of the last corner, and he lost his first run. That put him down to 19th position. They come in the pits, they go back out, put the qualifying tyres on. I think Toprak could and would have pushed harder had he not been 19th and potentially could have been on pole position. Who knows how that could have changed the races. Yeah, the problem is if you don't put what's known in the trade as a banker, you don't bank a lap early on with the pre-qualifier, the soft-ish tyre, well, then you've more pressure not to fail or muck up or make a mistake when you've got the qualifier and there's a whole lot of pressure involved in that in itself so I think you're dead right Toprak having only qualified 19th because having his next best lap disqualified yeah. had to get the lap in with a tyre that would only do one lap remember couldn't have a second go at it so he was he made double safe and uh, that cost him a little bit of time just from being safe Yes, he qualified fourth, but ended up third. And remember, those grid positions are for the first two races. So those less than two minutes laps in qualifying are absolutely pivotal Critical. for a race weekend. Yeah, they really yeah. are, aren't they? Yeah. And it's been like this ever since the three-race format came in at the start of 2019. Now, the reason he was promoted is that six riders had their best times removed. And now this is a new regulation, isn't it? If a yellow flag comes out in qualifying now, those laps are immediately deleted. So. Almost the entire field, at least half the field, had their best lap times taken away on the, their only lap on the qualifying tyre taken away. Alex Lowe's was one of them where he lost his position on the front row, ended up 10th. Luca Myers, Chaz Davis, Eugene Laverty, he lost a good row three position. Uh, Bassani was one of them, and I'm forgetting somebody, but there was another one in there as well. What's your take on that rule? Should the lap or the sector, and therefore the whole lap, instantly be deleted by default if there's a yellow flag or should it be assessed individually each time? Right, a little bit of background here. What happens is when you're out on your bike, you are uh, communicated with uh, by the use of flags. If the yellow flag's out, it means there's been an incident in that sector of the track. Yes. Right, all riders know that. And if they get the flashing yellow lights or, on the dash, don't they? Yeah, in a race position, in a race situation, you are allowed to go past it. You'd have to stop. Uh, you'd have to pull in the pits, but you can go past that sector, but you're not allowed to pass. Right. In practice uh, or qualifying, the procedure was you weren't you, you had to slow down and respect the flag because let's face it, under yellow flag conditions, there could be a rider lane at the side of the track being attended to. There could be marshals running over into a position of danger to attend to a fallen rider, pick a bike up, etc. There could also be dust on the track, oil on the track, petrol on the track, whatever. So you've got to respect the yellow flag. So people weren't respecting the yellow flag in qualifying because if you're on your qualifying tyre, you only have one lap. So what do you do? If you look ahead, you see the yellow flags. As the crash, as the, the fallen rider slid off the track, yes, he has, I'll just keep my head down. So to stop that happening, 
and making a bad situation worse, uh, the organisers said that, look, under yellow flag conditions, that lap, the yellow flag lap, will be, for everybody that passes that yellow flag, will be deleted. Once the yellow flags are in, then anybody else that comes past isn't deleted a lap. The fact is, in this case, the riders that came past, you said Lowe's, Bassani, uh, Laverty, all Davis, Myers. Myers, all went past with their qualifying tyre on. They were just starting their one and only possibility of a fast lap. And I would just add, Chas Davis did roll off the throttle. Yeah. Slowed down. Yeah, but nevertheless, the new rule says they get that lap docked. And so those riders had to give it put, get put back. The fact was that the yellow flag was out, not for a crash, not for anybody lying at the side of the track, but for Tito Rabat, who'd gone straight on trying to keep up with a fast lap being put in by Scott Redding, ran off the track, ran across the gravel, didn't crash, and was actually, by the time the yellow flags were out, he'd gone across the gravel and was uh, against the barrier and, and running around what was the very outside of what you would call the perimeter of the track. So no immediate danger. Outside the firing line. Outside the firing line, in effect. Yes, Greg. Yeah. Uh, so should there have been some, uh, what's the word, judgment displayed by the uh, stewards and in this case not dock those laps? I don't know. Rules are rules and you've got to respect the yellow flags. It's a, it's a safety thing and I, I agree you should respect the yellow flag, but it seemed to be fairly harsh on the people who were dock laps because they only had one go. Uh, the, uh, and bear in mind, they didn't have time or a second qualifying tyre. Uh, to, to have another go, so it seemed fairly harsh on them. And like you say, for me, the the, the obvious answer to this uh, is either it's arbitrary on the uh, uh, the decision of the the, ju the judges, the stewards, as to whether to dock time. In this case, they shouldn't, have, in my opinion, or to just not have qualifying tyres, then thereby allowing the riders that have the lap docked to have another go on the softer tyre, but not the qualifier that they haven't got a second one of. Yeah, and this is where commercial interests come into the equation as well, yeah. because Pirelli is not only the sole tyre supplier, but they're also a championship sponsor. They like to set lap times. They like to demonstrate how good their products are yep. for track days, so on and so forth, as you know full well. Yep. Um, just checking my notes, Bautista was the other one. Yep. Laverty, Bassani, Myers, Davis, Bautista and Lowe's. Um, now, there are rider briefings, of course, at the start of each race weekend, and you do feel that that will be discussed, don't you, at uh, Mizano? I think, well, I think it has been discussed. They all know. They all know that rule. In fact... Uh, Charlie out there on the grid spoke to Alex Laws uh, for, for race one uh, and he Alex Laws said look I'm not arguing with it at all uh, it rules are rules he says but you know it wasn't much of an incident to have the yellow flags out for anyway yeah, yeah. but he says rules are rules and I abide by them so you know they would know but they will I am sure this will come up within the paddock uh, and certainly the riders will discuss it between themselves yeah and I think what uh, Alex Lowe's and all those other riders were most annoyed about is okay we were unlucky but the penalty came quite late didn't it it took race direction or sorry the stewards panel quite some time to announce that you know Alex Lowe's had already gone through part firm maybe been interviewed as a top three finisher and then all of a sudden oh I'm 10th now yeah but it, the time doesn't matter mm. you know they need time to assess it I suppose don't yeah they, they do and the t what, what difference does it make yeah it make the, in fact you'd, you'd think being a late declaration of those would give uh, Alex a little bit more time to be happy because he didn't know. You know what I mean? It doesn't, <laughs> That's true. It, it, the, the time That's doesn't true. make a lot of difference to me. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a talking point. I'm sure we'll uh, continue as a talking point for quite some time, but we've seen everything, haven't we, this weekend? Yellow flag infringements, jump starts, uh, collisions. We've seen some collisions. Let's talk about, let's just recap 
Garrett Gerloff, of course, this is the Texan, the GRT Yamaha rider. Great rider. We love the guy. He's definitely going places. Future world champion, I think. But let's see what's happened already this year. The sprint race, unseen by the TV cameras at Aragon a couple of weekends ago, he apparently drifted across the front of Luca Myers, took his front wheel, Myers crashed coming out of the corkscrew. We all saw what happened with Jonathan Ray in the long race. Come to Westerill this weekend. Uh, we saw him going underneath Michael Rinaldi at the interior parabolica in race one, sat him up. You said it was hard but fair, to be honest. And then this afternoon, Rinaldi had sat up Jonathan Ray at the VIP corner. And just a few seconds later, boom, massive impact. Gerloff missed his breaking point, didn't he? And wiped Rinaldi clean out. Nasty accident. Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, Rinaldi didn't know, bless him, didn't know what the heck had happened. Uh, got to feel a little bit sorry for Garrett Gerloff in this instance because he was unsighted um, by Toprak going up the inside of Rinaldi and kind of just just got his eye off the ball, braked slightly late. Once you... And, what people don't understand, especially non-motorcyclists don't understand, when you hit that brake, it's your braking late, your braking mark is the latest you can possibly brake for that corner, right? So you're on the limit. So once it starts going wrong, you can't just pull the lever any harder and, and, and get out of the situation. You're kind of committed. You know, and he's left his braking late. He was heading for the back of the back, uh, the back of Rinaldi. Sometimes you can let the brake off and and thereby get steering back and then dodge out the back of the way uh, the way of the back of the rider in front. But in this case, he had no uh, choice but to cannon into the back of, of Rinaldi and knock him down. It was one hundred percent Garrett Girl's fault. However, it, the, the punishment definitely didn't fit the crime. He didn't do a lot wrong. And like I said, when he took uh, Jonathan Ray wide and knocked Jonathan Ray off the track and himself crashed, Garrett Girl off. Apologise, and Jonathan Ray took it on the chin. This is all that arrogant. Um, you've got to take it on the chin because it wasn't that long ago since we saw nineteen, uh, sorry, two thousand nineteen that we saw uh, Jonathan Ray hit Hareth, um Alex Laws. Yeah, last corner, last corner. and that was his fault. So yeah. it, you've got to forgive the rider. We've all done it, and we've all had it done to us. However, when it's the same rider doing it week in, week out to various people, then. Maybe there's an issue. Yeah. You've got to feel sorry for Garrett. It, it, it was a, a tiny, tiny mistake. What I would say, uh, not so much in his defence, because obviously these are mistakes, like you say, but all the great champions, actually, pretty much all of them, have done things like this in their earlier formative years, haven't they? You know, when you look back through I the archives. It's a sort of byproduct of somebody wanting to do well and, and being yeah. prepared to push their and the bike's limits and take risks. And th there's... A, I'm I'm not condoning what he did, but there's there's a certain there's a certain respect you've got to give somebody who will just tweak with the limits at times. Yeah, you know, and it's sometimes you don't get away with it. The others are obviously getting a bit concerning, pretty angry about it. There was also the incident with the BMWs, which again was just a racing incident, I think, at Magni Core last year, Laverty and Sykes. Anyway, we've heard from Toprak Rasgatti Oglu. Let's, uh, let's hear from Chaz Davis because it's been a really encouraging afternoon for Chaz and the Go 11 team. Uh, and what a ride up through the field as well. All right, well, the man who pushed him hardest in the end, uh, the last few laps of that race was Chaz Davis, and he joins us now from Estoril. The eyes are smiling. Chaz, you must be well happy with that. They're back on the podium. Been a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, there's only a couple of races passed, but Estoril 2020 seems like a long time ago. So now, great to be 
Great to be up here. Um, obviously, it's been a topsy-turvy weekend and, and a few difficulties along the way, but to finish it like this is uh, probably better than I could have hoped for uh, after yesterday afternoon. Yeah, you've been a bit unlucky, haven't you, the first couple of rounds, but it seems that the, the team have really gelled, Chaz, and there's, there's a good bond there. Like, it looks like you've got a nice atmosphere, the kind of place that you're going to be happy working, you know, moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't fault the team at all. I've moved across. Obviously, we're on the same bike, but uh, a different group of people as well. And everybody's just uh, getting on like a house on fire. Not not that they weren't last year. It's just a different atmosphere, obviously, in a, in a team where maybe the expectation every weekend is uh, is a little bit less than the factory one. So, um, yeah, everybody's uh, mucking about, but uh, also getting some uh, results along the way. So, no, very happy. Uh, like you said, we've been a little bit unlucky, I think, um, so far, but uh, this is uh, this is racing and we've got a long season ahead of us. Chaz, how much do you think uh, or how much input have you had in uh, in the development of the bike over the winter, bearing in mind that you know, you've stepped aside from the factory team into the Go 11 team. Are they still asking your opinions on the bike? Are you still are you still driving it forward? Um, well, being being honest, the the, the winter sort of development is um, you know, there, there's not been an awful lot brought. There's a couple of things that that maybe didn't work for for each of us, for the you know myself and the two factory riders. Um, so the base of the bike that we have now is, uh, is basically what we finished on at the end of last year with a little upgrade of exhaust, um, and a couple other things, but, uh, obviously the, the engineers are listening to, to us riders, um, and they're still valuing my input. Uh, but obviously it's, uh, it's difficult to get the, sometimes to, to, to work in the areas that we want, difficult to find the improvements. So. Our weak spots remain our weak spots, and they've been the same ones for quite a while. And it's uh, we were hoping to address them this winter, and you know nothing seemed to work. So um, you know the bike's the bike's good, but uh, we we do struggle in in certain spots, um, in certain corners. You know I think you've probably heard Scott talk about long corners, um, and that that was no different today. You know following Johnny through the last corner uh, and out of turn ten. It was clear where they were able to gap us, and, it, and likewise, it was clear where our strong points are as well. But uh, we just got to try and limit the damage a bit. Jazz, 99 podiums. I mean, what a record that is in World Superbike. So, congratulations. Now, one of the obviously both a bit unlucky here and in Aragon, you had to miss nearly a session um, with the bike, and with reduced time, that's probably costing you. Because again, one of the things is you've had to come through a lot of the field you know, to, to, to get through to where you are. You've, you've had the pace, but you've had to come from too far back. Obviously, for today's race, you know, it came from Superpole race, which helped you a lot. But is that somewhere you're still going to be looking at to try and improve going forward? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing is that they're going to address the yellow flag um, single lap uh, or lap cancellation with, with qualifying tyres. Um, I think they're already working on that, so we should have a different rule for uh, Mizano, hopefully, so nobody gets caught out again. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's a, the job gets a lot easier when you start uh, in their first three rows. That's what we did today. Um, was able to get a reasonable start and get in the thick of it with the right people in the, in the beginning and kind of go where whereas those gaps get created. You start in, in P15, and those gaps get created little, you know, there's a bit of bar banging going on. You get the gap gets, uh, the, the group gets splintered. And next thing you know, you know, you're two seconds off the back of the the next group, which is two seconds off the back of the front group. So 
that just calms down the further you start to the front. I, I, I know I'm telling two, two X racers here or current um, shaky, uh, <laughs> but how this I'm how an this armchair works, racer but, in a minute, uh, Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it, it does make the job a lot easier starting at the front and, uh, and yeah, getting that uh, sucked along by them guys. guys. Tell me about it, Chaz. Tell me about it. Uh, you got the um, you got the hundred podiums T-shirt ready for Mizano, then, mate? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, in a, in a word, no. But I didn't even know. But thanks for the the stat, James. Um, no, it's obviously something I'm super proud of. You told told me that age uh, age, you know, seven, eight, ten. I'd have uh, I'd have laughed at you. So no, pretty cool. Good stuff. Well, that gives you something to do over the next week anyway, Chaz, and with, your, with your duties at home as well. So we'll leave you to it. Thanks for joining us and well done today. Well done. Well done, Chaz. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Yeah, so unlike Luca Myers, who'd actually put in a good banker lap on the, uh, on the X tyre before having that uh, Q tyre lap removed, it still left him up there on row two in the end. Chaz Davis was not much further back, wasn't he? To 15th on the grid, fought up, first two races, then had a row three starting position in race two. And ends up second. I mean, he loves Estoril, as we know. And it's great to see Chaz feeling so confident with the Go 11 team. Yeah, loves the team. Uh, really salvaged something from what was a mediocre meeting for him, I think. Uh, but great to see uh, Chaz smiling because uh, we like him. Mm. Now, let's also listen to uh, Scott Ridding. We've not heard what Scott Ridding had to say yet, but uh, the interviews were carried out with uh, the Dorna guys after the race. Scott Redding, obviously a very difficult day here with what happened in race two. We saw you hit the front early, but then of course that crash at turn four. Uh, tell us a bit about your race until that crash. Yeah, I felt pretty good. I was uh, got a good uh, start, almost a jump start. I think the, the, the light like, dipped a little bit before we started because I saw top rack and I would just squeeze the front brakes. I didn't want the jump start. Um, then I was kind of thinking, am I going to get a ride through or penalty? I didn't. So for two, three laps in my mind, I was not really focused, but I was up front doing my own thing, feeling quite good, feeling comfortable and kind of managing the gap. I was happy with the pace I was doing. I was trying to conserve the tyre and I felt like I was riding really well. Um, but then uh, when Jonathan was closing the gap to me again, I was having a few issues with the front tyre and uh, I shouldn't have really tried to attack so soon. I needed the tyre to settle a little bit and go again at the end. But we're here racing, we're here to try and win. And, you know, we was fighting for the win and I just pushed a bit too hard when the tyre wasn't in a good condition. And I lost the front and, uh, yeah, it cost me a lot of points today. I'm very upset with myself because it was my, my own fault on going too early. So I'm very sorry to uh, all my team and I uh, want to bounce back in Mizano. We've seen you here in both races hit the front really early and try and manage also that time, manage that gap. Do you think you would have been able to, you know, considering the, the temperatures that we had here today? Well, that's what kind of has upset me the most is when I see the lap times, I had that in my pocket all day long. Like, I don't know if Jonathan had more, but, you know, I know Chaz was kind of closing the gap a little bit and he wasn't responding. So I believe I could have won that today. That really has upset me. Even when I got back on um, and I had no foot peg on the left and a bent left handlebar, which was really awkward to ride, 
I still put in a 37.9, so I knew I had the pace to, to win today. My mistake, I threw it away, and I'm just very sorry. So a long championship ahead. Next up is Mizano, a home race, a very important race for Ducati. You've been, you have tested there on the V4R. How do you feel going into there now? Yeah, I feel quite good in Mizano, but we've always been there in the cold, so it's, it's completely different. Uh, the good thing is home circuit for the team and for Ducati, which is cool. Um, and yeah, we'll try and hit the top step of the podium there, keep fighting, um, and just keep trying to win. That's all we can do. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Let's just focus on tyres, James, because we saw a big difference in tyres, and it just seems as though... Reading and Ducati are a bit confused at the moment whether they use the X compound tyre in the long race or how can Jonathan Ray make the zero last in the sprint race and things like that. that that's the whole thing. It, it's not just Scott Redding that's saying that. We heard uh, Chas Davis say that after the race as well. He says we're missing something because he says, you know, the, the, the Kawasaki team and especially Jonathan can make that zero tyre work in the short races and make it last in the longer races. And he said, you know, given the same choice again for me, I'd have still chosen the X tyre to go against Johnny in the longer races, knowing that Johnny takes a zero, but knowing that also I can't make it work as well as he can. So like we've said, it's everybody else's, you know, job to, to whatever through setup changes or through management of, uh, by the rider to, to make that either the zero give the grip early on or the X, the X go for a longer distance. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's theirs to do. How crushing a blow though, was what happened on Sunday afternoon at Estoril 2021 for Ducati and for Scott Redding. Psychologically, that one must be tough to take. Yeah, they could. They absolutely had the wherewithal to come away from Estoril with a small deficit in the championship. Maybe seven or eight points were worked out, didn't we? Um, I, th I have to be honest. I thought Redding was going to come out of Estoril as the championship leader after yeah, what we saw on um, Saturday. Now we, I believe he's watched 36 points behind and in third place in the championship. Yeah, he's um, he's certainly more than a race win behind. It's something like that, wasn't yep. it? Yeah, you'll have to forgive and, us. We've only just yeah, come they, off they've, they've, In terms of the championship, Ducati and Scott have had a, a really difficult meeting. Uh, the job's not over. Shorty's got the pace. And I think what he will be encouraged about is he finally, in race one of the weekend, made, on completely equal terms, uh, made that, X-Tire work and had an impressive win. And I think at Aragon, he had a win with the slicks on when everybody else had intermediates. And he won't see that as a level playing field win on track. He'll see that as an inspired tyre choice uh, and that gave him a slight advantage on track. Uh, not here in race one at Estoril. That was definitely Scott Redding putting one across everybody on absolutely equal terms. Okay, let's get some words now from Jonathan Ray. Before we do, actually, let's quickly talk about Supersport because very emotional afternoon in the World Supersport Championship. First of all, Steve Odendahl makes it three out of three on Saturday, 75 points from 75 points. What a race, though, on Sunday. It was good old Supersport, wasn't it? Crashes galore. Nobody hurt, thankfully, but crashes, overtaking, a new winner. It doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. Absolutely brilliant racing. Uh, for us... We've got us favourites. Don't really matter who wins because the racing was absolutely cracking. Both to watch as a bystander and uh, to commentate on it was brilliant. I love the super sport class. Really disappointed that the class, in terms of you know nobody building six hundred sports bikes, so therefore uh, people are saying that something's going to have to happen. The class is dying. But when you get racing like that, it's difficult to accept that because it was just brilliant. Prizes as well. 
Rafael de Rosa was just over two laps away from his first oh. ever win and he crashes. Joel Cluzel crashes. Two experienced guys crashing. Yep. Odendar with a problem. We don't still know at this point, as we record, what happened. Did he run out of fuel, I wonder? Uh, yeah, it's the obvious. I mean, last lap, last back lap. starts conking out, but just about uh, limps round to the finish. You've got to think fuel. Uh, you know, I think maybe not. I don't know. It could be a fuel pump problem, a wiring problem. Certainly there was no smoke or flames or oil coming out of the bike, so it wasn't a massive mechanical problem. Uh, but it could be anything else. Uh, it could be, you know, it could be, who knows? Could yeah, be a, just a, he might have tickled and bent a valve and he's lost a cylinder or whatever. We don't yeah. know. But yeah, I mean, I, if I had to put my house on it, and it's not an expensive house, <laughs> I would put it on uh, run out of fuel, yeah. By the time you uh, hear the next podcast, James might be living in a Linton Travel Tavern, Alan Partridge style. I'll have done worse. He's ha- <laughs> That's true. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, let's listen to Jonathan Ray, though, because it has been a hell of a weekend for Jonathan and for Kawasaki from six races now this year. He's won two at Aragon, the long race and a sprint race. And then today he's done the double sprint race, long race, increases the championship lead at Estoril as well. Another excellent performance, Jonathan. How was it out there? Yeah. Mate, thank you very much. Um, it was good. I got a little bit hassled in the start. I'm in a good getaway, to be honest, but Reading got a steamer of a start. And I thought, oh no, track position's gone again. And then I got beaten up a little bit in the first lap. I got hit by one of the wings of Rinaldi, but no biggie, you know? I just settled into my rhythm. Eugene came past as well, but I could, when I got back in third, I could see the, the pace of the front wasn't, going away so much I knew they had the SCX tire I had the harder tire and I knew that I didn't actually know anything to be honest I just I just kept going I thought if I can be there there might be a crossover in the race where I can come back to them and it was I was catching Scott quite quite quickly especially in sector two three and four and then uh yeah wow I I plotted a move in t1 he came back I went again in t3 and he I felt him cut back into T4, and then next thing I see Scott out. So, yeah, sorry for him for that because it was a little, it was a nice little battle for him, a few corners. So, uh, yeah, great weekend for me. Um, I mean, I've been useless here last year, but a real sour taste in my mouth after the news earlier of, um, you know, Jason. That's terrible. So, still want to dedicate that one to his family and give them strength at this time. It was um, it was interesting when you came in and greeted your mechanics and said that uh, oh we won in Estoril that must that must feel good. I, honestly, I thought not if we can extend our lead here, but if we can still come away with a championship lead, that's a solid weekend. But I really didn't expect to win here. Just Perry just said that it's probably the best we've not the best I've ridden, but the best we've worked. You know, every step was positive in the right direction. Tire choices were spot on, even though it was going against the majority. So I think we have to be proud of ourselves and deserve a beer later. Do you hear the Jaws music when you're coming up behind Reading like that? Because um, we all in the press office, we do. No, but when I was there, I knew when he wasn't going away, I mean, I think the, the SCX tire, the strategy should be to go away at the start because at some point it's going to drop off. Them guys couldn't get the zero to actually be fast to work where I was able to get that to work. And I think this weekend proved it just has a little bit more life. You know, I could see actually Chaz in the end was quite strong. The gap was there. So that kept me honest to the last laps and I enjoyed it, to be fair. It was a nice weekend. Fantastic ride, Jonathan. Thanks, Charlie. Very emotional, though, and a real somber mood in the paddock, uh, not least because Dominic Agata won for Switzerland the Supersport race. But as Jonathan Ray said there, James, it's been a, well, it's been a dreadful weekend for motorcycle racing all round, hasn't it, after the terrible news on Sunday morning that 
following a very nasty accident in the Moto3 World Championship at Mugello on Saturday. The 19-year-old Jason Dupasquier, the Swiss rider, has lost his life. Now, unfortunately, we know that this is something that can happen. It does happen. It's happened before. You would be perhaps a little bit silly for saying it won't ever happen again. Motorcycle racing inherently dangerous. First of all, the fact that we've lost a 19-year-old up-and-coming talent, a former champion in the Dutch series, James, a Red Bull rookie, a very promising rider who scored points already this year in the Moto3 World Championship. Dreadful, dreadful loss. Yeah, it's a dreadful uh, loss. Uh, I mean, we've got to think about his family and his team, but it's inherently a dangerous sport. And and we're talking about Moto3 here, but these things are still capable of best about 140 miles an hour with the right gearing on. And, you know... There's an inherent danger. We've made massive strides in terms of circuit safety and rider safety. We've got airbag suits, which are now uh, compulsory in some championships, including MotoGP. Uh, we've got loads of runoff. We've got air fencing. We've got huge improvements in medical facilities at the circuits and medical backup. But it still is a, a dangerous sport. Any Anytime you're doing, not just with motorcycles, if you're doing, you know, best part of 200 miles an hour, you uh, it, there's a danger, whether you're in a car or you're in, you're on a bike or whatever, a boat, whatever. Um, it's part of the sport. You know it as you get into the sport. And if you don't want to accept it, you have to do another sport. And and you know it, it's it's just desperately sad when it happens. It, it really is. Without going into detail in this particular accident for obvious reasons, it's proven again that the main danger in bike racing, in particular. Unlike in days gone by when they'd go to places like Salzburg Ring or Spa and there was telegraph poles and barns and houses and parked vehicles or whatever all around the outside of the circuit, curbs. The danger, the main danger always will be now, whether you're racing at Cadwell Park or Estoril or even Qatar, which has the most enormous runoff areas in the world, the main danger is going to be being collected by either your own or somebody else's motorcycle. Yeah, the, and that the main, can happen anywhere. The main danger always used to be in the old days, uh, you ran off the track or slid off the track after a crash and you hit something solid that wasn't going to move. Uh, these days, by far, the main danger is being hit by another bike or even your own bike. Uh, and, and you can minimise the risks, but, you know... It, Bike racing as a and other sports as an inherent danger, and um, yeah, sometimes it's um, it's a cruel sport. Yeah, and thankfully, I think we can uh, at least uh, say to ourselves thank you again to all of the people involved in improving the safety of our sport because it has come on leaps and bounds, uh, unbelievable leaps and bounds yeah, over yeah, the yeah. years. You know the way Absolutely. circuits have been improved and medical facilities and. But yes, of course, very much our uh, thoughts this week and for the rest of the year will be with uh, Jason DePaschio's family and friends. In the end, a tragic weekend following the news from the Mugello Moto3 paddock. Jason DePaschio, the 19-year-old, all of our thoughts with his family and friends this week and for the whole of the rest of the 2021 season. The podcast will return next Monday the 7th of June. But for now, let's just take some time to remember the 19-year-old Jason Dupasquier. Our thoughts are with him. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.